between you and me, right where you are right in this moment, is exactly where you were meant to be. So, wherever that may be, just be. To be a new you. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the Orgasmic Life Podcast. Your permission slip to raise your standards and live an even more amazing life. Now, if you're feeling like that's way out of the ball game and you're really suffering with like pain in your body, guilt, shame, anxiety, depression, like these emotions run a lot of people's lives and that's not by accident. Our culture is set up to keep us in those emotions because it's easier to control people when they're in those emotions. But if you're on an awakening journey and you have recognized that those are there, you have taken the most crucial step to get out of that, which is to become aware that it's actually happening. It's time to awaken, to bring all the parts of yourself back to this present moment and explore the joy that is your life when you live full out, fully expressed, fully harnessing the joygasmic potential of your body and yourself. Anything is possible. And especially we are here to tell you that deep and fulfilling love is possible and is available for you when you choose that for yourself. Welcome to the Joygasmic Life Podcast. Today's guest is Sarah Schmidt, who is a mom of eight, all born at home, the first with the help of midwives and the others all at home without. Her background is as a medical doctor, but she decided to become a stay-at-home mom and has since created her birth on the topic, free birth, self-directed pregnancy and birth. She has several of her births live on her YouTube channel, including a twin home birth, which I will be asking her more about today. And she writes particularly for the German audience, although she also uh, has videos uh, like translations on all her videos and much of her website in English. So Sarah will be joining us shortly. And thank you so much for being here today. For those of you who are new to the Joygasmic Life podcast, this is season three, Orgasmic Motherhood. The purpose of our podcast is to provide inspiration and actionable change to awakening mothers. This series is interviewing experts in orgasmic mindset, NLP, hypnosis, trance states, and bliss hormones, healthy eating, including intermittent fasting, vegan, plant-based, or nutrition coaches who specialize in women, birth, hormone rebalancing, and healing PCOS naturally. We also interview women who have specialties in feminine presence and alternative sexuality, how to have amazing sex life as a parent after a kid, sensual empowerment, and orgasmic birth coaches. Today's story is from a holistic health mama who has been doing it for at least the last eight babies. And well, welcome to the Joygasmic Life podcast. My partner is a twin. And so it's always on my mind, like what will happen, what will happen. And uh, I'm really, really excited to, to talk with you today about 
your home birthing experiences, the work you do with women in supporting them to trust birth, and uh, the Weston Price Diet, how that plays into your family of eight, and, and I'm really excited to, that, to, to dive into that today. So, so welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah. So for people who don't know you very well, um, I read your bio sort of before you came on, but I'd love to hear from you. Like, how did you get into helping support women with autonomous birth? I, I started with my own birth. So um, with my first birth, I had a home birth and it didn't it didn't go exactly as I had planned. So the midwife that I had hired was at another birth when the birth started and um, the, her colleague came and I didn't get well along with her and labor stalled for a few hours and it was really, really painful. And mm. at some point I noticed that the midwives, they don't know how the baby will come out. I have to give birth myself. And it was like an eye opener to me. It's me that has to do it. And I was like, now the expert is in the room and they are going to do this. And um, we'll see. <laughs> and at, at some point it was like, they don't know what to do. And they are thinking about transferring to the hospital for a C-section and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, oh, if I don't give birth here, then things go the way I don't want things to go. So at, the, at that moment, I realized, okay, I have to listen to my body and to my baby and I have to get this baby out <laughs> because otherwise I will have a C-section. And it worked. The baby was finally born at home and finally also my midwife came and yeah, we were all exhausted, but it was well in the end. Yeah, afterwards, oh, I, afterwards. afterwards, I thought a lot, I processed things and, and why have, why did this happen like this? And, and um, my conclusion was that it's really important who is in the labor room, who is there and um, how do I, how, how do I connect with them or not? So if there's somebody who is in fear or somebody who I don't like, then this can affect my labor a lot. So for the next, um, we moved to Sweden in the time in between when I was pregnant with my next baby, uh, we were in Sweden. So in Sweden, there are hardly any midwives and um, any home or birth at all. So I found one midwife that was one hour away, but then I was thinking like, if I don't get along with her or if she doesn't make it to my birth or what and this and that. And so finally I read a lot in the internet at that time, there was only uh, <laughs> about free birth in America. So I, I read a lot of free birth on uh, mothering.com and I did a lot of research in all the risks and what people are afraid of caught around the neck and, and, and stuff like that. And I decided to do it on my own. And I was thinking, if something goes wrong, I can still go to the hospital. So it was. Mm. And the birth went really well. And all the other births later, I did in the same way. And they also went well. And I, I, I just learned <laughs> that I can, I can trust my, my body and I can trust my feeling for things more than what other people say. And I think this is the basic for having an autonomous uh, and, and good birth where you're really satisfied with the result and there's nothing 
no, there's no pain or sting or anything where you think, oh, this was not the way I wanted it to be and it could have been better this way. And it's just everything is the way you, you wanted it to be. And this is, it makes something with you when you accomplish something yourself like this. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, that that's the story we hear from mothers over and over again, who have had some sort of challenging birth, you know, yours, your first one was a, a midwife challenged birth. Um, you know, and, and I could really hear how the, the lack of connection, you know, your midwife, and then there was this, this other midwife who was part of the team who came and it's like, oh my gosh, of course, that's going to mess with the, the, the hormones and the flow. You've got a total stranger in your space. Like, of course, like, um, yeah. you know, I talked to my husband and he understands birth through poop. He's like, I can't poop with a stranger in the room staring at me. I'm like, I know me neither. Like, so it's, <laughs> I think it's, I think that's the easiest way to explain it to any like husband or, or you know other other human who just doesn't know it's like oh like try and try and let your body relax all the way with a stranger staring at you going hmm hmm are you done yet is it done is it ready is it time what can i do to make it happen faster anything i can do to make it happen faster and it's like oh my gosh it's like what a challenging what a challenging way way to birth and then you know it's beautiful to hear hear your stories of oh and the next one went well and the next you know, the next seven after that went, went really well too. And um, yeah, wow. It's, it's so wonderful to hear those stories. So I'd, I'd love to hear um, about your, your twin birth. Cause that's something that's really dear to me. I've, I've also done lots of listening and reading on podcasts, but I'm, I've never actually, well, maybe until today, I've, I've heard some stories about free birthing twins, but in the US at least, they tend to end with women still feeling anxious, worried, and going to the hospital. And I, you know, I've looked through many of your videos and I was like, well, I'm not sure. I don't think that was part of her experience. So I, I you know, and the, the video of you giving birth itself is like, my brain is like blown. Like I'll forever have that image of like your, your baby, like the first baby, like partway out, just be like, what the heck? Like I have a new, new normal, right? My normal has expanded to include that experience. So uh, I'd love, I'd love to hear, and thank you for being so vulnerable too. Like it's, it's incredible to, to have you have shared those. Um, but I'd love to hear about that experience and about the postpartum afterwards. Yeah, it was um, my pregnancies. I did my own prenatal care, so I didn't go to the doctor or anything. So it was uh, in like, when I was 23 weeks or so, I was like, something is different than the other times. And I, I started feeling, and it was, it was like, there was more than, it, it couldn't just be one, it was more more in there. and But not always. So it seemed like they were hiding behind each other when they were smaller. So I had my, I have a, a midwife, I, there's a friend that's a midwife. And I asked her, do you feel two? And she just, she just felt one. So I was like, for three days, it was I was relieved and was, okay, it's just one. But then I started feeling two again and even more. So the, the bigger they got, the, the more often they, there were two. And mm-hmm. finally, I, I also told my husband and he, he also felt two, like two hats. And so it was quite obvious that there were two. And we had an, one ultrasound to confirm that there were twins. And that was, that was everything... Uh, uh, the, the only time that I connected to the system, so to speak, mm. <laughs> to have my confirmed. 
and uh, yeah, it, it took it took some time to um, to to let it let it uh, suck and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I never wanted twins. So it was like twins is, is nice for the others, but I like one after the other because it's still a lot of work with one and having two. Oh my God. So yeah. still it was. <laughs> and uh, I started, I started especially reading about specialties in twin birth. And I interviewed my midwife. So my midwife friend, I didn't have uh, checks with her but I just asked her about her experience with twin birth and she has also she had a few twin birth home births that she had been at so she knew a little bit and I asked others and I did my research as I usually do yeah and and so I felt well prepared I I, I knew which things I had to look after especially when the first one is born and the second still in that the second one will be fine and coming out too without problems and yeah, and it felt it it still felt the best way to birth, especially with twins, to be at home and in my space and my own boss. Because I also went, I also it's I I um, I have never been to the maternity ward here in in this town because we moved from Sweden to France, and when I'm pregnant, I I like to check out the facilities. And so I was, it was a good uh, possibility too. And so I asked about twin birth and what they do. And yeah, I could have even birthed in the, in the tap or in the, in the water, but I would have yeah. to have a certain medication. So after twin one is born, they want to, to give um, medication to start contractions and stuff like that. And it didn't so and, and so and so many people and midwives and doctors and and so are going to be around and it was like no 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 <laughs> it doesn't sound like the birth that I uh, I picture so yeah. I prepared everything at home I need to be the boss and but I don't mind so much other people around as long as I'm the boss and I can I can do my birth as I wanted to do and so I had mm. a friend, I had two friends that came came over to take pictures and to film. Yeah, and then it was like every other birth, except it was easier. So somehow I oh. I, I skipped the this this um this stage where just before pushing where you feel like. You can't take it anymore and it's just too much i just skipped that so it was it was really it was easier than than the single birth i had i think because they were smaller or so so mm. maybe one came out the short the, the cord was really short so mm. i didn't I, I i didn't really expect that but i had everything there so we cut the cord i forgot to clamp it but anyway <laughs> he lost some blood um, and then, um, yeah, nine, nine minutes later, the second baby was, was born. So it was really fast. So, so one baby was out and then contraction started again and second baby was out and everything was fine. Then um, I marveled at my babies and then just the placenta fell to the ground and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's an, it's an, an incredible video and and it's really interesting. Like, I just want to touch base on that, the, the, the cutting the cord on the first twin, because it's like, there's so much sort of drama in the, 
in the, or for me at least, in the like autonomous birthing world, like you have to delay the cord camp clamping, you have to do it in a specific way, you have to do this, you have to do that. If you do it that way, it's wrong, you're bad, blah, blah, blah. It's not, and like there's obviously, you know, benefits of delayed cord, cord clamping and letting that do its thing, but it's like in the moment, like the mother will know what the best thing to do was. And, and in the video, you can really see like your, like the cord is so short, you can't really hold the baby to your breast. You've got another baby coming out you know that like you can't really be holding the baby while you're doing that it's just like oh this is the next thing that needs to happen and and for me it was really helpful because I had imagined like oh you need to like you need to like tie it and like clamp it and cut it otherwise it's like spurting blood across the room or something and it's like no not at all like <laughs> it was so good for me to see the like oh like she just cut it and then the baby's there and like and it's fine and she's like got another baby to come out and she's fine it's like oh like it's okay you know yeah. yeah there was some some blood coming out i was actually i, I actually i thought the the blood was the the blood flow had still had, had already ceased because it looked white to me but obviously yeah. it was because it was so it was so stretched because it was so mm. short it was so stretched that it looked white but there still came some blood blood out but yeah it was not it was not it was not not so much so it was it was fine yeah yeah, but I so, I so appreciate your philosophy like there and in, you know, you did a response video to that as well. Just being like, people ask me about it. It's like, it happened, it's done. Like, I can't undo it. it that's how it went, you know? Right. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> you know, it's like, maybe if you had twins again, you might do it differently. But in that moment, that's what happened. And, and that's it. Like, right. you, know, you right. can't change it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just- So you tell just, me about like, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so tell me about sort of those first couple days afterwards. Like, I remember seeing like twin one was sort of um, twin twin two. I remember was like seemed like more rolly and like covered like all white and and covered. And there is this conversation like I've heard some stories like twin two comes out like purple, like a totally different color. There's something about like the blood flow between the two of them, something like that. Did you experience any of that or like what were your what was your first week like postpartum with the babies other than a lot of sleeping and nursing and pooping? <laughs> well, the, the second one, she uh, she was uh, she we, we didn't wrap her up really warm so she she got a little too cold and so we I, it took some time to warm her up again so i didn't miss that somehow because everything was uh, yeah but yeah in, in it was in the evening and everybody went to bed and only me and my oldest we were sitting there and looking at the babies and i ate something i was hungry and yeah then i i went to bed with both of them and it was yeah, it was it was um, unusual to have two babies at my on my at my breasts. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have breastfed two babies at the same time. I mean, I have bred, breastfed a little baby and a small, a bigger child, something like that, mm -hmm. but never two babies same size. And this was really funny. And I tried to find a way to to breastfeed comfortably, laying down and two babies. So in the beginning, I, I used to I used to swaddle them. And so I just lay on the side and I stack them one above the other. And then I had them here because laying on your back is, doesn't work well breastfeeding. And I wanted to lay down and not sit up. So I stacked them and it was, it was, it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> just like, imagine like two, two like sausages yes. just 
sitting there next yeah. to your yeah yeah it oh. worked quite well so i put the 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 one with more weight on 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 the, on the lower uh, lower level and the one with li little weight on the upper level and yeah wonderful wonderful is there anything that you that you you know you wish you had known going into that birth or or your seventh and eighth babies so you you wish you had known that that you know now hmm. no i don't think so so yeah, she, the, the the second the second twin she uh, she has a special genetic you call it um, yeah defect doesn't sound nice but th there's something with her genes so some something small uh, some it doesn't affect life much but uh it 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 um it makes that just after birth she got uh, blisters all, all over her arms and legs and i was like what's yeah. that and but she looked fine to me and she was nursing well and gaining weight and everything but it was like i have never seen that and i searched the internet for what could this be for all kinds of uh, what you can have on a newborn skin but i didn't really yeah. find exactly this and yeah. later um i noticed that her teeth were really small her, her primary teeth and I, when I searched the teeth, I found the skin again, I, this, yeah. the special skin uh, things. So it's a genetic uh, defect that makes these skin blisters in the newborn uh, period, and it makes small teeth. And oh. sometimes it can affect the, the eyes and the brain, but usually it's just the teeth and the skin. So, but I'm really glad I didn't, I didn't know that. And I'm glad I wasn't at the hospital because I read other stories about babies that have this condition. And usually the doctors don't know what this is and they check the baby for everything. They give antibiotics just in case and all this, and they let, don't let the mother home because they haven't checked out what this is. So I'm really glad I didn't know all of this and I didn't, I'm, I'm really glad no doctor was around to say, no, you can't go home because we don't know what the baby has. I just, I just observed my baby. My baby was fine, except for these strange blisters. And um, yeah, <laughs> and this was uh, something new to me and it's, it's quite a rare condition actually. So yeah. I learned something on the way. And is it related to twins at all, or is it just is something that happens? No, with babies? yeah, it, it's some. It's, it's not related to twins. It just happens sometimes. Okay, yeah, I mean, and but that's a that's a really great story to hear because I I know from the stories that I've listened to about twin home births, free births, it's like there there's often this like you know it's like something in the field of twins or something in in the just like the psyches of new moms. moms who are, who are thing that it's like oh like there's something wrong we need to go get it checked out and what you did is like oh like I'll do some research I'll do some reading I'll do some looking I'll see if I can find anything that says oh yeah definitely it's this and it needs it needs maybe medical attention you didn't find anything specific you primarily checked in with your baby is my baby nursing is she pooping and peeing does she look healthy is she alert and and active you know as babies are she's sleeping and it's like oh great like all of those things are in place then she's fine some skin stuff like don't worry about it too much and and like you said there's nothing that the doctors are necessarily going to do other than pump her full of antibiotics keep you away from her 
right? Put her in a NICU, yeah. put her in like, like some of the stories I've heard there are just like, whoa, not, not pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and some of them really scary and really traumatizing and really like cause, you know, challenges for mother baby bonding and connection afterwards mm-hmm. and, and so many things. So it's really inspiring for me. And, and I hope for others that, that you, you know, had a bit of a challenge there, maybe, you know, you could have, if you hadn't been maybe on your seventh, eighth baby, maybe you might've made a different decision, but because of, you know, how much you like researching and, and this, the fact that you had already decided to sort of step away from, from that Western medical support, it seemed like a really natural choice for you to just stay, stay home with them and, and enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I always weigh the, the two options. Do I just observe or do I have to, do I really need medical care here? And as long as the baby is breathing and eating and pooing and everything, then because the medical option, it comes always with costs. And uh, yeah, you know, you just said it. So I have, yeah. to, I, I really weigh these, these things carefully. Yeah, I mean, and I, th- I think it's really important to talk about that. Like I, I made that same mistake with my, my first son, you know, uh, in the first, maybe he was 15 or 16 days old and he had like some sort of blister infection on his finger and, and I got scared and I took him to the hospital and that resulted in, you know, 15 days in the hospital with him getting pumped full of antibiotics and stuff like that. And it's like, he only had a fever for the 30 seconds that they were actually taking his fever. He didn't have a fever the rest of the time, but the protocol says he's got a fever. We put him in the hospital. We send her to the children's hospital. We pump him full of anything until his, until he stabilizes, but he was stable that entire time. And, you know, I, I didn't know, like, this is 10 years ago. I didn't know. I hadn't even started on my holistic health journey. So it's like, there's a lot of sort of forgiveness and, and graciousness with myself in like, just not knowing better at the time, but it's like, oh my God, if I had known better like I went interesting like he's got some sort of infection on his finger um you know he can he'll survive he'll be okay with that um we'll we'll see what happens you know and just sort of trusting that the body has the capacity to heal breast milk is amazing you can use it on anything like there's there's so much that that we can do and so much worrying and anxiety that doesn't need to happen through through that western medical and harm also that can come like we said to the bonding and and whatnot so yeah, and as a mother, you you know your baby much better than any doctor. They only they only get their checks to 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 know if the baby's fine or not. And as a mother, you just know because you know your baby. So it's much less traumatizing for a baby to get checked by the mother compared to checked by the doctors because they will put needles in it and, and do in, in in him and do all kinds of stuff. And you, as a mother, you just hold your baby, you look at it, and you know it's fine. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, about your journey to like really having that grounded sense of like, oh, I, I know, like, you, you know that the baby's fine. Um, I feel like a lot of women are disconnected from the sense of intuition, mother's intuition. Was that something you had to learn and grow or was that something you just had from, from inside of you? I think I, I learned this even before I had babies. I, I learned it with myself that I can trust my own instincts better than what the doctors say because i was quite sick for quite a long time with sinusitis okay and um 
and the I got all kinds of antibiotics and stuff, and it didn't it didn't help. I was sick for a, a year or so, and they didn't have a solution for me. And uh, but for, but then I, I improved my diet. I I quit sugar, and and these things just disappeared by quitting sugar. So the doctors never came to to this solution. So and there were many other things where. <laughs> <laughs> where I went with a doctor, where I went with the doctors and it didn't work or I was disappointed with the result. And when I decided to go after after what I felt was right, then it went well. So I had a lot yeah. of experiences like this. And so I had um, more and more, I trusted my instincts and went after my in instincts. The more I saw that the other way uh, goes, doesn't go well. So that's uh -huh. that's what. I, <laughs> so even before I had babies, I felt like, yeah. And uh, and when um, when I had my first baby, she was just one month when we moved to Sweden, and it was just too stressful. So I was quite sick, and uh, I went to the doctor, and I they prescribed antibiotics. Ta da! <laughs> it's solution for everything and uh, my baby got uh, diarrhea and uh, she wasn't well with her stomach and later she developed allergies and so I yeah, yeah. this was the last time that I took antibiotics <laughs> and trusted the medical system and later I, I thought no antibiotics are a bad solution a really bad solution because they destroy your microbiome and uh even your babies and especially the babies, they are just so small and building up their microbiome. And when you disturb it, then you can ruin, ruin the, their health for the rest of their lives if you, if you are not lucky. So yeah, she's still allergic and all the problems that come with it. So yeah, it just costs you when you don't trust and follow your, 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 your gut feeling in things. And I've paid quite a lot, so it, it was enough at some point. So now I only trust my gut feeling. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I, I mean, I totally, I totally get that. I, I talk pretty openly about my mental health journey recovery. And it's like the hardest year of that recovery was the year that I went, I don't know what to do next. Let's see what Western medical has to say. And it was like, oh, it says I should wait on a waiting list for eight months and then talk to some lady who like doesn't really care about me. It's like, oh, like, oh, like that's not a solution. It made me so glad that I had taken it into my own hands and I'd done so much research and so much alternative stuff and so much mind work and so much diet work. And it's just like, nobody's I tried talking to somebody about microbiome the psychologist like hey have you read about any of these papers and he's just like huh I'm sorry sir but like your degree is like 25 years out of date like people have been talking about and researching this for like ages and it's just you know, I mean, and, and there are like specialists out there who are like functional medicine doctors, traditional Chinese practitioners, like all sorts of practitioners who are keeping up to date, who are like pushing that sort of the, the science, like Weston Price is a great example. And, and we can dive into that um, more soon. But like there are there are doctors who are doing good work, but the, the conventional Western medicine is just like, 
like you want to feel ignored and unimportant and like a number in a queue like that's not a recipe for healing recipe for healing is like caring connection you know humanity referencing and like returning to that gut feeling like somebody who can empower you to like trust your own wisdom not their wisdom Mm -hmm. it's like you know you and I have experience whatever that might be but if it differs from the gut wisdom of whoever's listening to this like they should trust their gut, not us, you know? And, and it's really, um, yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely important. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah. Oh, it looks like we had a little bit of lag there. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. Mm. So, you're, you're working with you're working with women and supporting like I look through your website now and like thank God for Google Translate I was able to read chunks of it um, so uh, so you're I know I was like my German is terrible uh, so so you're working with women to, to help them reestablish this this sense of connection with themselves what does that work look like when you you have people who are asking questions you're obviously writing and blogging and videoing a lot and what does that work look like? Yeah, I have I have quite a lot of groups on Facebook and on Telegram. And uh, so women just, especially when they uh, want to have autonomous birth or TSR is also a topic, when they have questions, it, they just write me um, and uh, we try to figure out how they can proceed best or they just want to know my opinion and then... Uh, I tell them what I know and what I think. And I have these groups where we discuss all, all stuff, all, everything about what the group is about. I mean, if it's free birth or if it's teeth or if it's traditional cooking or baby care or whatever. So that's that's mostly it. And um, especially in, in, in free birth, we have a group to support women in, in birth when they want to have a free birth and they have questions during the birth and they don't have anybody to ask, then they can ask uh, in the group, uh, is, this, is this okay? It's so-and-so and what can I still, what can I else do to speed up labor or whatever? So, yeah, that's oh, basically and it's it's really it's really i think it's it's just it's quite important because uh, many of these women they are just left alone they are just left alone by the system because the system it doesn't support anybody that wants things different and if you want things yeah. different then you're just left alone and and uh, i try to well, we try to catch this up a little bit and to uh, support these uh women that are just left alone by the system yeah, yeah. I mean, by the system and also often by their families as well. Like, I, I'm just getting into supporting this kind of, this kind of birth as well. And it's like, oh, like your mother says no. The way you're doing it is not not good, not okay. Scares her too much. Um, you know, her, her mom's like trauma around her own deliveries and birth is like right up there at the surface and it it feels too scary to to really offer that support if they're not doing their own self-education it's like you know the women who are choosing this kind of birth have really educated themselves around the safety of birth have really worked on their minds um a lot of the time and so it can be really challenging you know being left left alone not only by the medical system which is sort of like the the go-to authority for a lot of people but also by their family systems and 
it's really it's really sad so i'm really glad to hear that you're doing that work and is that primarily in in sort of like the german language scape or is it is it multinational uh, so primary, most of my groups are german speaking i also have an english speaking group but uh, it's not so active so it's mostly the german german area yeah, it, and in germany it's yeah, so that the midwives are if you, if you want to have a home birth midwife, it's not easy because the home birth midwives in some areas, there is no home birth midwife or they are not allowed to attend a birth after C-section when you have uh, diabetes or when you have twins, of course, it's forbidden. So they the, the, the midwives, they are hardly allowed anything anymore. So the women are just left alone when they want a different birth than in the hospital. So it's really right. frustrating. I mean, many want a midwife, but they don't find a midwife because they are so restricted. Right. Yeah, and you have a fabulous uh, like resource list on your site about like free birth doulas, women who are who are open to supporting that. I like, I just feel so so warm and happy to know because obviously my journey has been like centered around the English speaking language sphere of free birth because um, that's my primary language uh, but it just it was so like nourishing this morning to be like oh like there's a whole German section of women who are also feeling this revolution who are also like birth is ours we're taking it back you know and and supporting that like so many beautiful women who are supporting that and it's like oh thank goodness like it's not just like crazy Americans or like crazy Canadians <laughs> who are who are doing this it's like oh like the rest of women around the rest of the world are also into this it's not just like not just sort of like I don't know I think about crazy Americans and they're like extremism sometimes it's like no it's it's actually not extreme it's just the way birth is meant to be oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it started it started i think it started in america because 12 years ago when i prepared my first free birth there was almost nothing in german there was a little yahoo group but not very active and that was it so i at that time i i, I did my research in america but uh, now things have changed a lot yeah, yeah, it's absolutely it's growing. And I think with with COVID, what's happening, a, a lot more people, you know, who are maybe on the fence or willing to follow that, the default paradigm are like, whoa, 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 like, no, thank you to that default paradigm. Like, I got to do something else. So I think there's going to be, be a lot more, sort of like a lot more expansion in this next couple of years, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, in the hospitals here, often the women have to wear a mask during the birth. And they have to get tested for uh, with this with this silly test, and the baby has has to get. It, it's really, and the and the partner cannot be there, so it's the best the best uh, entrance to obstetric violence because the woman is just alone with this bunch of strangers that can do anything to her, and uh, it's yeah. But it helps it helps the it helps women to to think new and to uh, think about how do I want to birth? Do I really want to birth in this system or not? So it's good in a way. Yeah, yeah, it's good in a way for sure. Um, oh, yeah. You, would you like to dive into to talking a little bit about the the teeth stuff? That's that's a really fascinating. I read this morning. I was reading, doing some reading about you, but it's like, oh, I read that like you also have a unique um, point of view on like teeth teeth and teeth care and your children and 
And, um, you know, I, I remember for myself, like I didn't brush my son's teeth until he was maybe three, just because I was exhausted. I was a single mom. I had postpartum depression. I just couldn't find the like will to like engage in that battle of wills with him. Like, I was like, I'm not going to like, <laughs> I mean, I remember like holding, being like, you want to do the easy way, hard way, you know? And it's like the easy way is like, I'm holding him down anyways and like brushing his teeth and the hard way he's like kicking and screaming. And we, we defined it as that. And like, that was his like, you know, from four onwards, this was how we were doing his teeth brushing. And it's like, oh, at some point, like I again moved into like less energy and was just like, do I want to do this? Do I really want to do this? It's like, no. And I've seen like, like, why would I want to, you know, I'm so much about kind parenting and loving mothering. And yet here I am doing this, like, like torture activity to my child. Like what exactly is happening? And yet, obviously, like, there's a huge problem with, with cavities in children with, with issues with that. And so, you know, to say, oh, we don't brush our teeth feel like has this feeling of maybe negligence or uh like I'm bad or something like that so I I mean I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because I, I did a little bit of reading and I know you have wonderful thoughts to share about this oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah when I was a kid I had just a lot of tooth decay and every, t every time at the dentist it was like you're not brushing well enough and my brother he never had tooth decay and it was like oh, how fine you're brushing your teeth. But in reality, it was just the, the, the other way around. I was brushing my teeth like crazy because I didn't want to get more cavities. And my brother was like, oh, brushing teeth, ha, uh, ha, uh, done. And I was, I was just like, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't go together. There's something that they are missing because I am brushing my teeth. So it's just, I don't want to be accused of doing something that I'm not doing. And it was like, I have to research more. It was like this, there's something missing. And that's what I started with. But then they said, ah, you just have bad teeth and they just decay easily. This was the last explanation that they, they came up with. And I was like, okay, maybe I just have bad teeth and one day I will have just no teeth anymore. And yeah, this was the solution, uh, the end of the solution that the system could give me. Mm -hmm. And um, I accepted it for a few years and each time I went to the dentist there was a new hole and a new drilling and filling and everything and when I when I uh, had my first baby I thought okay she's not gonna have tooth decay I'm gonna do everything that she won't have tooth decay so I brushed her teeth from the first tooth and she didn't get any sugar and what did happen she got tooth decay and I was like wait a minute something is really missing here i'm doing everything i'm supposed to and she's still having tooth decay something's not adding up so i started researching and i found uh western price mm -hmm. and this book uh cure tooth decay by yeah by ramel nagel yeah and then i knew okay there's more to it i knew it <laughs> somehow i've always i've always knew this um yeah and we implemented the diet as good as possible it took a while for me just to wrap my head around that oatmeal was not the best solution <laughs> <laughs> uh, why is oatmeal not the best solution i don't know if i want to know this or not you know it's like once i know i have to change my behavior but like tell me why is oatmeal not the best solution well my whole life i had oatmeal for breakfast and when i started getting healthier after I, have, I had quit sugar, I decided 
maybe it's more healthy to take the raw oats and just crush it freshly and prepare it just fresh and raw. And that's what I did for a year. And after a year without eating any sugar and just these raw oats, I had such big holes in my teeth as never before. And I was like, ah. what? It was, it was before I found um, Western Price because uh -huh. the oat, oat in there, it's because the grains have, have substances in them that take the minerals and bind them and you can't take them up, you can't digest them. And at the same time, uh -huh. grains, they have other sub substances that, that inhibit um, digestive enzymes. So it's not a good idea to eat it raw. And traditionally it was prepared. It was soaked and, 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 and sprouted and um, cooked or baked or something like that. And as long as you eat the oats from the store, it's already heated. It's heat treated to preserve it longer because the fat will not get rancid. But when you take the raw, the raw grains, then you have such a uh, tooth decay bomb. And I didn't know that. And it took a while to wrap my head around this truth. And I didn't want to quit my oats in the first, <laughs> in, in the beginning. But after a while I was yeah. thinking, uh, oat, oat, and, and I, I, so I, I dived into oatmeal preparation, the traditional way and how to get the anti-nutrition anti out there. And, uh, but finally I decided, no, it's too complicated. I'm just gonna quit it. <laughs> so, um, uh -huh. And I had, I had this x-ray from the dentist where you could see all my nice holes. And, um, and, and then I started the diet and I said, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to see how this works and if this works. So after nine months, I got another x-ray and you couldn't see any difference. So the holes, they had halted. So nothing had grown bigger. So I, was, I thought, okay, it seems to work. And that's how I went on. Um, I noticed also that when you're pregnant a lot, then you need a lot, lot of nutrition. So, and the, I had two babies spaced quite close together. And in this time, my holes grew a little bit bigger. So I took an x-ray later again. And so you could see a little bit a difference there. So I could tell that I was not, not when I was pregnant with the second baby so close after the other that my uh, storage of nutrition was mm, quite low yeah but other otherwise yeah i still i, I kept my holes to just check how this is going <laughs> so i i don't have pain and it doesn't bother me because uh they are not this large they, they are not small but they are still covered with the dentine no, it's not the dentine. It's, it's the animal, the animal that's around it and the, the holes in the dentine. So it, it doesn't, food doesn't get stuck. It's just seen on the x-ray. So it doesn't bother me. And from time to time, I have a check to see how it is doing. And yeah, it's my, my experimental, um, experimental teeth. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, the, there's so much, so many, so much anecdotal stories about women who really have like they bleeding gums during pregnancy, or they have, you know, tooth decay after babies. And I think it's really important to understand that that's literally because our bodies are stripping essential nutrients from our bodies to put into the placenta and the baby. It's like that's the same reason we get this like mom brain. Nobody can think or remember things. It's like all the omegas are like whoop, into the baby's baby's brain. You know, they talk about the brain shrinking 5%. It's like 5% of my brain went into the baby. Like, are you kidding me? It's like eight babies later, like you really need to have a plan to manage that or you start getting worse health outcomes with your babies. You start getting worse health outcomes with yourself, right? And if people are eating like, um, like modern standard American diet, fast food, colas, um, like soft drinks and hamburgers and candy like crazy like it's like well no wonder people are so so ill and so challenged in their health and and then it's interesting because you mentioned this thing about the oats and it's like oh I also love oatmeal and I've been woken up to this I think it's phytic acid is the name the term or like something like that that um and it's it literally like attracts it's it's the thing in the plant that like attracts and holds the nutrients and when you sprout it it sort of like cracks that like washes that off and cracks it open and then the seed starts to actually produce more of those nutrients and, and be more nutritious and it's like oh yeah in a traditional setting you know, you, you store the grain, you dry the grain, and then when you're ready to eat it, you soak it so that it's not so hard and just like miserable to eat, right? You soak it, it starts sprouting, and then you turn it into something and a lot of work. It is not a small undertaking to do this, to like make your own, like we, we do waffles, but like I soak and sprout all the seeds and all the nuts and stuff that go in there. And it's just like, it is a, it is a daily, it's a daily chore. And especially if you've got multiple, like many children, it's a lot of work and it's less work. Maybe if you're living in community, if you're living in a traditional village setting, if you've got lots of mamas to help with the work, but how many people are really, really living in that? And it's like, mm, not so many. And so if you're looking at these grains, like even if they're, you know, really great grains, like quinoa, amaranth, millet, um, buckwheat, you know, oats, all of those are, they, they say they're like high in nutrition, but if you're not doing that soaking process, they really are acting as anti-nutrients and pulling nutrition from your body. And it's just like, oh my God, like that is, that is a travesty that people don't know this and that they're, they're sort of like trying to do good things for their body and really actually doing the opposite. Oh, now I've got to get more clear about my food stuff. I got to go through my pantry and be like, where am I busting this? Where am I not doing it? Um, and it, it's challenging to make those changes. Like you said, like getting on this like Western price diet and, and doing that. It's like, it's a, it's a challenging undertaking to make those shifts, but we really, especially as mothers, it's like looking at like, what are the long-term health outcomes? for our babies, for our children, Mm -hmm. you know, if we're looking at like uh, lack of nutrients, like I've studied uh, Dr. Patrick Holford's work pretty extensively in terms of like optimum nutrition. And, and I've really benefited from that work. And it's like, if, if we're looking at like the majority of disease and illness comes from like malnutrition, like a huge chunk of it comes Mm -hmm. from malnutrition, which comes from, again, that Western, Western diet and, and the food, I mean, we, the, don't even get me started on food additives I've got so much to say about that but like there's um you know there's this 
there's this thing and it's like we really really like if we're creating a healthy container for them for the, for our babies that starts with a healthy container for our bodies it starts with a healthy container for um you know for those children moving forward and we shape that through food and culture and predominantly that food and culture has been stripped from most sort of western developed cultures that traditional food preparation the fermented foods the you know the scandinavian countries have this like fermented fish that like I've heard stories of that just like rattles my brain to even think about. But if you were raised with that as a food that was presented as a yummy thing, then it seems yummy. It's the only option you have. You're going to eat it because you're hungry, right? (laughs) And we've really moved away from traditional foods that are delicious to that are really dangerous. They're, I mean, they, they taste good, but you know, the, all those candies and pops, they're like, they're not good. You laughed so hard when I talked about this, this fermented fish. You must have a personal experience with it. Let's hear it. <laughs> well, we, lived in, we lived in Sweden for six and a half years. And the one, one day, uh, some sweet brought this sous trimming, this fermented fish. And we tried, we tried it. And it really smells like old poop and pee. So like, why oh, it was so disgusting i'm <laughs> just to smell it they used to open it underwater so that it doesn't stink too much oh. <laughs> oh my god but this is this is traditional food like yeah. this is fish that you caught when the water was still running and you stuck it in something like oil or salt water so that it would still be there in January, February when everybody's really hungry because there's no fresh greens and your brain stores are going down and blah, blah, blah. You know, like this is how people survived to live where we are now. It's like they, they just ate the things. And if your mom says, this is what we have for dinner today, you eat it. If there's nothing else, you go hungry. Yeah, but but you even if you if you grow up with it, you even like it. I mean, I I started taking this fermented cod liver oil because yeah. it's recommended, and yeah, and I don't like it actually. But I when in the when I was pregnant and I took this cod liver oil, the kids that were born while I was taking the cod liver oil in the pregnancy, they love it. They like to eat it. And I, I had I had a woman from from Russia and she said, oh, it tastes like the fish that I had when I was a kid. And and she liked it. So it, it's there's so much so much um, that's already starting when when the baby's in the womb that that's making a lifelong. Impression impression on on, on taste and, and how you perceive food. So it was really interesting so my babies they love the, the cod liver oil so much that i had it in in the in the kitchen in in the somewhere in the in the storage but she found out where it was and one day i came into the kitchen and there was this broken bottle on the ground and she was full with cod liver oil and with a finger in her, in her mouth and like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and i was just fish oils are not known for their like deliciousness generally you know it's like not not usually something but you know I hear stories of this like oh like you got to take your your cod liver oil you got to take your you know like like that's a a trolled food and like yeah because it's good for our brains because we need those omegas because you know and 
That's so funny. <laughs> your your baby just like, mom, give me the cotton, give me the oils. And I see my son do that too with like some of those really nutrient dense foods. Like we brought in more um, seaweed and I was like, I never thought he would like seaweed, but his body knows his body goes, Oh my God, I need the like greens in this. I need the, like the, the, the micronutrients that that seaweed has. I'm like, that's why I brought it into the house, kiddo, like eat it up. Um, and so it's, it's really good to see that and see, see them like liking these foods. And, and when we share with them, it's, it's really important. Yeah. We set their foundation for their lives. Yeah, yeah and, and it costs. It, I I have paid. I have paid so much for starting with a bad health. So my when I started researching Western price, it was not before my third. I was pregnant with my third child, or after, after, or in in the pregnancy, or ch shortly after. Yeah. But before, I I quit the sugar after baby two, and baby one and two. They are both complicated. So the first one has a kind of autism, and the second has ADHD. And I thought maybe with a traditional diet it will be better, but it wasn't. So for years I, I then I, I, I came across the the GAPS diet. I don't know if you have heard or read about uh, the GAPS diet. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I was like, oh, we we will need this, but it's too hard to do. And for years I went around it and was like, oh, I can't do it. It's too much. It's too much. But finally, we found out that our second, the one with ADHD, he also has big cavities in his permanent teeth. Uh, despite all my efforts and uh, this was this was the last the last drop that was needed to fill the cup and to decide okay we're gonna go on gaps now <laughs> because so now we've been on gaps for three weeks and uh it's such a change I, I i didn't expect it i really didn't expect it my expectations were really low because i have tried a lot of other things but our adhd yeah. boy he is so calm now it's clear my, also my husband noticed it and other people he's just like a normal boy now most of the time and it's it's it makes it creates a whole different atmosphere in the whole house because all the other, otherwise when he was around it was always fighting and strife and and and, and nasty words and it was always tr always not a nice atmosphere and, and suddenly it's like he still comes up with some but it's it's way much better and just after a few weeks, and I mean, I didn't stick to it really perfectly. I used uh, store-bought sausages where there was still a little sugar in there. And, but yeah, otherwise I tried to stick to the, to the program as well as possible, but it, it's really changed. And my husband is excited that it's working so well because he was the hardest to convince. I would have done mm. it earlier, but he was like, no, no. It's gonna be so the kids won't like it and it's gonna be so so hard and and awful and in these times we we, we need to have something that's pleasure and but when he found when we found out about his tooth decay then uh it was in in a sense it was good so i i was allowed to to do it and now he noticed he, he, he says himself that he's really uh, he can't believe it how how much of a change we have Mm, that's incredible. I love I love to hear those stories. Yeah, the the gaps work was really important for me in terms of just understanding that connection. Like 
Um, I had ear infections as a young child, like chronic ear infections, and then sort of mental health challenges starting from like 10 onwards, 10 until I was 27 or something, and then like really got serious about healing my body. And it's like, oh my God, if my mom had known and and done this, like, wow, how how incredible that would have been in terms of, of changing yeah. changing our lives. So it's really it's really good to hear that you yeah. you're having this sort of shift and, and success and and so you know you you made changes in terms of like taking sugar out and getting on the Weston Price diet between you said sort of kid three and four somewhere in there so what did you notice uh you know in the difference between your your sort of first children and your later children after you'd taken that made that change yourself and for your family yeah though so um they are uh, they don't have um ADHD or any uh behavioral behavioral issues they are just normal kids and um, my pregnancies were easier. I didn't have these uh, problems with uh, symphysis or uh, I don't know what it's called in English. Like lower back pain or um, yeah, yeah, this, this problems in the pelvis. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have heartburn or what did I have? Yeah, I just I just enjoyed my pregnancies more because I I didn't have the, the these all these kind of different small complaints that I had with my especially second second and third and mm-hmm. um, my 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 third one was uh, the pregnancy where I ate this oatmeal this raw oats and his mid face is really too small underdeveloped and he has still he's eleven. No, 10. He's 10 now and he still has problems breathing through his nose because the nose is so small. And we are, uh, we, um, we got him the uh, such an appliance that uh, ex- ex- extends the upper upper jaw because when you can't breathe through your nose, then the tongue is not up in your roof, then your upper jaw will not develop properly, it will be too small. And then your lower jaw doesn't fit under the upper jaw then you develop uh, TMG problems and you clench your teeth at night. You get pain and tensions in, in, in your neck and even in your spine. So it has, it's just a huge, a huge, um, a huge bunch of problems that's following just because you can't breathe through your nose. So I'm still like, what have I done to him? And uh, the other kids, they don't have the problem. Just my first one, she's allergic. She has the same problem. She can't breathe through her nose. Her teeth are really narrow. She's clenching her teeth and it's really frustrating. And that's also the, 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 the reason why I have uh, the braces because I, I also didn't, couldn't breathe through my nose when I was a child and my upper jaw was developed too small and I started clenching at night. And especially when you're pregnant or in the breastfeeding period when all these hormones are surging, then these things tend to get worse. And uh, from pregnancy to pregnancy, it got worse that my teeth, bled, my, my, my gums started bleeding on one side and I started, I, 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 I clenched my teeth a lot at night and I, start, I, I woke up tense my whole back and it was, it was really awful. One, one, there was one, one of my wisdom tooth that had a big, big cavity and it had halted, but it was really that the tooth had gotten quite frail from the big hole in it. So after, uh, in, in one, it was a few days or weeks into having my fifth baby that I woke up at night clenching so much that I, I, I crushed this tooth because I was clenching on this, this tooth and the pain shot through my, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was a different feeling. 
So I had to, yeah. <laughs> and I had to get rid of this plunging and it just, it just, it, you can just stop it when the, the, the lower jaw can come into a relaxed position and it, it has to come forward. But when your upper jaw is too small and too way, too much, too way, too much way back, your upper, your lower jaw can't come forward and it will find some position, but it has to use the muscles to pull it there. And then you have a, low, uh, um, a higher muscle tone already. And then if you add some stress and some hormones when being pregnant or breastfeeding, then you just, you just have a big problem. So I started, I, I started with this um, orthodontic treatment and quite immediately my, my chewing muscles, they were quite large. They started disappearing, so to speak. So my, my, even my, my face changed because the clenching stopped. Mm. And, but, but it's, it's an expensive treatment and I don't want my kids to have having to go through this. It's much better if you develop well from the beginning, if you can breathe through your nose and everything is just working fine because then all these problems, you don't, you just don't have them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's, that's a huge part probably for you, but for me, for me definitely is like why the, the birth the birth and conception and like that whole process is so important. It's like of all the things on the planet I could be talking about, like this is the one that I want to talk about the most because if we set that blueprint right, if we give the mom like proper nourishment, if we like, you know, set the baby up with a healthy microbiome, we avoid all that antibiotic crap. We avoid all those like interventions, all that trauma that happens in that first phases of birth. Like, we avoid all of those things, we're really setting our children up for such a different experience of, of life, um, such a different experience right. in terms of their health, their long-term health. And it, you know, it, it, I, I don't know how I could say it like over and over and over again every day, like how important that that first year of our life is, the womb year of the life, not, I mean, the year afterward is important as well, but that womb year is like, yeah. <gasps> so is so important. Um, yeah. And get into I mean, like some of the, the limbic. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I mean, I I, I studied I, I studied medicine. So when I after school, I became medical. Started to I became a medical doctor, and I thought now I know everything. And I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything of this stuff. Nobody, nobody taught me anything about microbiome, about how important it is to breathe through your nose, how this can affect your your everything. Your I mean. If you go to, to a doctor, they have no clue. I went to so many doctors to figure out what's what's the problem with my teeth. Why is my, are my gums always red and swollen on this side? And nobody could could tell me. They just maybe it's this and that, but it wasn't this and that. I had to figure it out myself. So I was thinking, what are these doctors for? What do do we? What did I really learn? I didn't learn much. It's it's a waste of time if you if you look at it from this perspective because what's really important to stay healthy, they won't tell you. No, no. Do, do you want to get into that a little bit? Do you want to like do you want to dive a little bit deeper down that rabbit hole? Yeah, if you like to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm ha I'm happy to hear. Like I have lots of thoughts on it, but I'm I'm always really interested to hear, it, especially from you know, somebody who's sort of been through that Western medical training and then decided, you know, that it wasn't working. So I'm, I'm, I'd love to give you space to share more about that. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's interview with me. There is so much more waiting for you. If you would like to access the bonus exclusive membership content, which includes the finale of this interview and some really exciting exercises, then please head over to bulletproofmoms.com member which will allow you to access not only the end of this interview, but also the video format, which has some really interesting visuals that don't necessarily, that don't make it through the processing in the audio, as well as the end of this interview, as well as bonus meditations, brain training tracks, and access to our online school, which includes courses like Relationship Reset, Circles of Commitment, How to Save Your Relationship and How to Save Your Marriage, How to Make Intelligent Decisions as a Single Mom When You Begin Dating Again, and many other courses, including the Joygasmic Birth Course, Your Complete Guide to Creating a Joyful, Ecstatic, pain-free and pleasurable birth. And you will also get to see the really silly dance that my son is doing in the background of me talking in this video. So I absolutely encourage you to join the membership. It is pay what you want and there is a wide range of payment options available. So if you are on a limited income, absolutely do not think that cash is a barrier to your ability. I'm sorry, I'm barely being able to keep it together because my son is just doing the silliest dance and it's totally worth it to upgrade just to see how ridiculous he is. Um, I absolutely love you guys and I'm so grateful to be able to make this content available for free and thank you so much to everyone who is already subscribed as a member and who allows me to continue doing this wonderful work and being of service to you all in this way. Thank you so much for your support. And the credit song from the beginning of the podcast is from a beautiful friend of mine who I met in um, La Cruz de Guanajuato. Well, <laughs> La Cruz... La Cruz de La Cruz de How does it go again? Mom, it's La Cruz de Wanacaxley. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that one. Oh my gosh. I used to I used to think of it as La Cruz de Wanacaxley, but um that's not how you pronounce it. It's really a terrible pronunciation. La Cruz for short, um, which is near Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and he's an absolutely incredible musical artist, so please go check out Sonny S O N N Y and his work on Spotify. There's also links to that in the show notes. So again, thank you so much for listening and I look forward to seeing you in the membership. Alex, you wanna say anything before we go? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's important to be silly and you can claim your silly back. We've got classes coming out on that too. So if you're still here and you're still listening, obviously there is some more engagement that you would like to be a part of. Please head over and join the membership. The link is in the show notes. So much love to you.